Praise the Lord, everyone, and welcome to New Life Fellowship, our Wednesday evening Bible study. So glad to be here with you. I know you're there watching in your home or there on your device. So I encourage you to grab your Bible and let us dig into the Word of God. Excited about what God is doing, not only uh, through this stream, but uh, on our Sunday services as well. We're excited of what the Lord is going to do and is doing. Amen. So tonight I want to speak to you just for a few moments here on what the Lord has laid upon my heart. And uh, it is simply this, the parable of the net. And this is found in Matthew, the 13th chapter. And we'll begin reading at verse 47. Matthew 13, verse 47, and we'll go through verse 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but cast away the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angel shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So like I said, tonight I want to speak to you just for a little bit of where I believe the Lord wants to help us and that is the parable of the net. Now we find in the book of Matthew, Jesus begins this parable with the word again, indicating that there is some repetition in the parable. This parable has some similarity with the parable of the wheat and tares. However, it differs in the diversity of its intended harvest. The farmer whose enemy sowed tares among his wheat was still focused all through the growing season on a harvest of wheat to the exclusion of the tares, even though they were allowed to grow side by side. Now, this story contains some of the same elements as that story, but with a distinct and important twist. This is a parable about fishing, and it is one that the disciples particularly could certainly relate to. Many, though not at all, not all of them of the disciples were former fishermen, but this is how they made their living for many, many years. When Jesus called them to follow him, they left their nets, they stepped away from their shipping, their, their ships and their vessels, and they walked away from a life that they knew that had simply revolved around fish to pursue a new promise. Jesus simply said to these men, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So no doubt When Jesus began to talk about nets and fishing, their ears perked up because now the one that called them from something that they were familiar with is now gotten their imagination intrigued of what is he going to say about our former life. So Jesus looked at his disciples and he simply said, I want to share a parable, a story with you about something you're familiar with, but in a different context. Here's what he said in verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but cast the bad away. The first significant thing 
that needs to be pointed out here is simply this. While the word net in the English language can be pretty general term referencing a broad variety of nets of all types, sizes, and shapes, the word used here in the Greek is very specific. Jesus was talking about a certain kind of net. In found in the Greek, it is used the word from which we derive our English scene, as in a scene net. The net that Jesus is referencing is not a small net that might be worked by a single man, but it is a large drag net that takes a crew or multiple people, usually two boat crews working together in order to manage the net and secure the catch. The common description was a drag net. It was used in the fishing industry of the time and would have been very, very familiar to the disciples. See, the dragnet had floats on the top and weights at the bottom. It was indiscriminate fishing method. It caught anything that was larger than the gauge of the netting or the holes in the netting. It was employed in a variety of ways. Sometimes the fishermen would deploy the net in an area where the school of fish were visibly feeding at or they were near the surface. There were other times that they would deploy it in known feeding areas. In either case, a group of fishermen would spread out this dragnet between two boats. Then the boats together would drag toward the shore. If there's ever a day that we as the church have got to come together, it is this day and this hour. We must come together. We must understand that this is not a one-man show, that we cannot do it alone. We cannot make it alone ourselves, but we need one another to accomplish the mission that Jesus Christ has set before us. Because just as these nets were huge. Now let me explain how big these nets were. These nets, nets were as much as a whole square mile of water surface area that might be seen in a single pass with this kind of net. By the time they got the net to shore, it would be filled with all sorts of sea creatures. It would trap every kind of fish in the targeted area, but those edible and those that are not. as In the fisherman terms, they would be called trash fish. This is one of the key differences about this parable that distinguishes it from the other. The end goal, the final harvest does not look the same. This harvest, the parable of the net harvest, is a, a, a harvest of unique individuals, a harvest of tremendous variety of fish. See, the farmer exclusively harvested wheat. He knew that the tares would come up with it, but he his purpose was to harvest the wheat, a specific grain, and that was the wheat. But here in Matthew, the parable of the net, we have a group of fishermen laboring hard for many, many hours, casting a broad net and indiscriminately pulling together an eclectic harvest of every kind of fish you could imagine. This kind of net could literally gather hundreds and hundreds of fish. I once read somewhere... That the largest haul 
ever in history with this kind of net was somewhere north of 68 tons of fish. I don't know about you, but that is a lot of fish. That's a lot of fish to be caught in one swooping draw of a net. This The fishermen in our parable here tonight did not have the advantage of mechanical machinery to assist them. Their catch certainly wasn't 68 tons. However, it was a tremendous amount of fish. Everything in that stretch of water was caught in that net. This is the key point to this story, this parable that Jesus was sharing with his disciples and for our benefit. That there is simply no discrimination about netting fish. That every kind of fish, both good and bad, as well as all kinds of debris and trash, everything gets caught in a net once it's dropped into the sea. And after that catch, they would take it And they would haul this catch to shore. And the diverse nature of the catch demanded a season of separation. Can I tell you today that is not our job. It is not our place that we discriminate based upon ethnicity, upon social status, upon the kind of car we drive or the clothes we wear, what side of town we live on. God did not call us to be uh, discriminatory on who we invite to the house of God, but God called us to simply cast a net. Cast the net and let the net do its intended purpose. Let it draw everybody that gets within range of our voice to here's our testimony. Here's what God is doing in our lives and in our church family. I believe that God simply wants us to cast a net in our city. Cast a net in our county. And cast a net in our nation. We need God now more than we ever have. We need him now. Our efforts have to be all inclusive. See, this parable of a harvest, much like the parable of the sower and the seed, that this story is not about a lone individual. It is about the corporate effort of the church. This parable is really about the mission of the church. It describes what we do and how we should do it and what the final result of our efforts will be. That's what this parable is. It is simply saying this is what the church is called to do. This is what the body of Christ is called to do and here's how you do it. You simply just cast a net upon the sea of humanity and you call whosoever will. Now, there are two main divisions to the parable. The first half of the parable focuses on evangelism efforts of the church. It focuses on our response to his command to go reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to give important insights into the way that we are to approach the prevailing mission of the church. 
I say again, we are to reach our world. We cannot be prejudiced about it, but we have to have the mindset and the spiritual maturity to say, it's for whosoever will. As the old song we learned in Sunday school says, red and yellow, black and white, we are all precious in his sight. Our efforts are to be all inclusive. However, the second half of the parable focuses on the day of judgment, the end of age. It emphasizes the fact that there is coming a day of separation. The church that casts a large net and gathers without discrimination, there is coming a final day of judgment, a final moment of separation. We have really two key actions. There's really two points to this parable that I'd like to make tonight. And one is the gathering and the other is the separating. The two are distinct They each have their place and time in the story. So for a moment, I want to draw your attention to the gathering. In this parable, the sea represents a of that of a lost humanity. It is a sea of despair and hopelessness. It is a it's a deep and dark abyss of iniquity and pain and despair. Men. And women from vast variety of backgrounds are lost in the depths of that sea. The net represents the efforts of the church. This is our mission. Jesus called us to not be soul winners, but to go make disciples. To dredge the depths of the sea of humanity and compel men and women to turn away from the bondage of sin and death and come to salvation and eternal life through Jesus Christ. We have to point our world to Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. The only way we're going to help our world to be saved is through Jesus Christ. This is what we exist for. We are disciple makers. We are not free agents who have benefited from such a wonderful gift of salvation. But we are laborers in his harvest. We are the fishermen that God has employed to reach the lost before it is too late. This is what Jesus meant when he told the disciples that he would make them into fishers of men. This was their purpose from the beginning and this purpose has been extended to the church. That's why New Life Fellowship is here in this location, in this city, in this time, in this air. Is because God has commanded us to fulfill the mission to cast the net of love, cast a net of mercy cast a net of grace and, and, and peace and hope uh, and give the world something that they're searching for then they don't even know that they're looking for. It's our mission to reach the world. That's why we're here. This is the only important thing that we can do in our lives. This matters more than anything else. The prayer room, the altars, they're important parts of the church. But if we don't have a place for the lost to come, nothing else matters if we're not reaching them and leading them to the way, the truth, and the life. There's one thing we must never lose, and that is the sight of the fact that this is what we exist for. 
In many ways, we are the net. We are the only hope that a lost world has of ever reaching heaven. That's why the Bible declares that we are a city set on a hill which cannot be hid. We are the salt that savors the earth. It's up to us to do our part, to be a friend and to make a friend, to go find somebody that has no hope and reach them with by all means necessary and tell them there is hope there is a place there is a resting wherein the weary shall rest for we are the only hope and it can be very easy to slip into a mindset to where we become too content with the fact that a lost world is rushing headlong towards a day of judgment and that if we don't reach them before it's too late then there is no hope for them We've been conditioned by our society, by media, not to be so offensive, to maintain the boundaries of political correctness. But can I tell you something? There is nothing prim and there's nothing proper about fishing with a seam net. It's a broad effort that encompasses a huge swath of water and reaches anything and everybody. It is indiscriminately for whosoever will because it not only catches fish but everything else in the sea whosoever will I want to have a heartbeat that does not look on the outer part of a man or a woman or a child but it is my prayer on this Wednesday to simply say Lord let me see people as you see people let me see you as you view them let me look at their lives through the blood and the necessity that they have for there is coming a day a day very soon it may seem that there is going to be a judgment and they're going to stand before God. I want to be able to say, God, I cast a net. I was the net. I showed love and hope and mercy. I want to be what God has called me to be. I heard it said once and I completely agree that those two words, whosoever will, may be the most precious words in the whole Bible. It means that it doesn't matter who you are, what you've been through, what you're going through, what you've done, what any mistakes you've made. It simply means that who, whatever, soever you are, you can come to the throne of God boldly and you can lift your hands and your voice and you can cry out unto God and God will receive you as his own. That's what makes it the most precious words in the Bible. Because this gospel is available to the entire sea of humanity. For God is not a respecter of persons. No one is excluded. Nobody is so high that the net cannot reach them. And none are so low that the net cannot descend to them. This gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, repentance and baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of God's spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, it was custom made to catch every kind of man, woman, and child that swims into the sea of humanity that is born into sin and shaped into iniquity. This gospel is custom made for whosoever will. There's none too large. 
There's none too small. There's none too lost. There's none too broken. None that are too hopeless and none that are excluded from the gospel's passionate call to come. Simply come. They don't design a scene net that can only catch specific breeds of fish. Now, when you're fishing with tackle, you can put together a bait combination that is geared towards a specific breed of fish. Now, I will be honest with you. I am not a fisherman. I am too ADD. I can't sit there. If I cast my bobber on the water, I want it to go under immediately. If it doesn't, I'm packing up and I'm going home. I can't tell you what to catch a bass with. I can't tell you how to catch a catfish. All I know is that if I cast my line into the water with a worm on it, something is bound to bite it. So with me not having a lot of fishing experience, I do know that there are some things you have to have to catch certain fish. But with a seam net or a drag net, it's not specific to one kind of person. It just doesn't reach rich people. It just doesn't get the the broken and the hopeless and those that are in want. But it reaches for whosoever will. Can I stop here? I'm trying not to preach, but can I stop here? for a moment and tell you that money cannot bring you peace another person in your life cannot bring you peace and hope the only thing that can bring you hope and peace is as you fulfill the call of God in your life and you provide the mission to the world and you cast the net and you receive whosoever will amen I believe you ought to say amen right there in your home And while you are fishing and they cast out this scene net, this drag net from time to time, you'll catch other things. You'll catch things that not necessarily you want to catch. And you may, you may see things that you never dreamed would be in, in the world, but there it is. But it's not that way with a single purpose line. We just simply cast the net. Because we want to get everyone to come. The key principle is here. Here is this. That the net does not discriminate as it gathers the fish. As the net goes through the water. It doesn't say you can come and you cannot. You're worthy and you are not. And so should it be with the church as it reaches for the lost. This is the grand application of this parable to the mission of the church. At least 24 different species of fish swam in the waters of the Sea of Galilee. Many of those fish were considered to be ceremonially unclean or trash fish or simply put inedible. They were a lot of throwaway fish, the kind you you just don't keep. You don't want to eat. They got a bad taste. However, the net did not recognize the difference. It did not discriminate its catch. It just simply caught everything. Lady Huntington was a wealthy, noble woman in the late 19th century who saved, who was saved during the Great Welsh Revival. One of the forerunners to modern day Pentecostalism. Someone once asked her how a woman of her background came to be saved. She replied with this, the letter M. 
is partly to credit for me. And then she quoted this verse of scripture found in 1 Corinthians 1 and 26. Not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. She said, notice that it does not not say not any. It simply says not many. The M is the reason why I'm saved. What was Lady Huntington trying to say? She was saying that she fell into one of those not many categories. Wealthy, of noble birth, and not likely to submit her life to a savior. However, the scripture doesn't say not any. It says not many. That means that there's enough wiggle room in the difference between any and many that anyone can be saved. I thank God tonight on this Wednesday evening that I fall into the category of not many. The Bible doesn't ever say not any. As our job, the church, the job of the church is to indiscriminately evangelize our world. We are to love like we have been loved. We are to reach without reservation for whosoever will it is not our job to judge folks it is not our job to say you're worthy and you're unworthy of the kingdom it's not my job to separate the wheat from the tares the clean from the unclean the good from the bad my only job is to reach as many as I can as fast as I can because I know and you know that the day of salvation is quick coming to an end and the night is about to descend in which no man can work we've got to do the mission of the kingdom now we must cast the net because too often we do our fishing with individual tackle we tailor our evangelism to appeal to people that are like us we are discriminatory sometimes in our presentation of the gospel Simply sometimes based upon our knowledge of that person. We rule out people before we've ever even talked to them. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to reach a lost world. We're called to love the unlovable. We're called to evangelize the lost. No matter what they look like. No matter what they may smell like. No matter where they come from. Or what kind of loads of weight of sin and bondage they're carrying. Or how offensive what they've done may be. We've got to go and reach and love the world. Listen to the words of Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infamous, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, before you start adjusting your net to release these undesirables that will not inherit the kingdom of God, we gotta pause a second and read one verse further. Here's what verses 
11 says. And we could stop at the first portion, but we're going to read it in its entirety. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. It may say not many, but as does not say not any. We cannot afford to be exclusive in our effort to reach the laws. We must reach everyone with love and compassion. The Bible says compelling them to the cross. If they ask you to go one mile, we've got to be a two mile church in a one mile world. That's our calling because we understand as the body of Christ that there is a day of separation coming. There will be a moment in time when the angels of heaven will segregate all of those that have been caught in the net. The clean and the unclean will be separated. Thank you, Lord. That day hasn't come yet. No fisherman has ever tried to call the fish while they were still in the net and the boats were still on the water. The calling happens at the end, not during the process. I understand tonight that this message is simple but bold. That we are to reach our lost, all kinds of lost, regardless of their history, their faults, their failures, their shortcomings. Jesus died for whosoever will. Here's what Paul said here at, here at tonight. He was concerned that he would not abuse his authority in the gospel by attempting to segregate the harvest. Because that's God's job, not mine. I, my job, our job is to reach love and to show mercy the same that we've received it. 1 Corinthians 9, 18 through 21. Paul to the church of Corinth says, What? Is my reward then that I may, that when I preach the gospel, that I may present the gospel of Christ without charge? For though I am free from all men, win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. And to those who are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but law toward Christ, that I may win those that are without law. And to the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. Paul said, I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Paul recognized that he was never going to save them all, but he purposed in his heart that he would not be lost simply because he neglected to reach for them. Paul said, I may not save them all, but I, but I am going to reach for them all. Hear me when I say that again. You may not can save them all, but you can reach for them all. He said, I have become all things to all men that I might by any means any means that is the mission of the church we cast a large net we reach for whosoever will we cannot and we will not discriminate for whosoever walks through the doors they're going to find the love of jesus christ now understand this that not everyone that comes in the church is going to look like us act like us or even have the same interest as us some of them are going to come from such depths of brokenness that they won't even know how to relate to them. 
But my, mark my words, we cannot afford to say who can, who cannot. We cannot say you deserve it and you do not. It is not my job to limit the invitation. I cannot limit the invitation. I've got to send it out to everyone and reach everyone. So now I want to speak on the second portion of this parable on the separation. Let's look at verse 49 and 50 of our original text. It says, so shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Sounds like a place I don't want to be. After the fishing is complete, the net is hauled to the shore and a familiar scene unfolds on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. The fishermen began to sort the catch caught within the vast expanse of the net. There's a variety, an eclectic blend of fish representing all 24 species that would swim in the Sea of Galilee. Some are profitable and others are not. The fisherman doesn't judge the catch based on their appearance, their attractiveness, or even the size and coloration. All things that make a fish a trophy to us are consequential to the commercial fisherman. Only one thing matters to that man. Can the fish be sold for profit? This is a point of similarity with the parable of the wheat and the tares. In the end of the fruitlessness, fruitfulness of the harvest, that becomes a measuring stick of separation and discrimination. Wheat, tear. That is that parable. That is what is profitable. That is which produces good fruit and is kept and which is not good is cast into a furnace of fire. This parable and the parable of the wheat and tares end with identical language. It's found in Matthew 13 and 42 and in verse 50 of the same chapter. The exact same thing. They shall be cast into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. I understand that this can get heavy now because it is an idea. It is a thought that no one really wants to acknowledge. We know it's there, but we really don't want to take time and say we understand it's coming. But I believe that if we understand that a day of judgment is coming, that there is a final day of separation coming where we will be separated, that we will reach out more than we have ever reached out before. The only sensible time for sorting comes after the net has been dragged to shore. Nothing would ever compel a fisherman to attempt to cull the fish while they were still in the net and still on the water. As a matter of fact, both of the parable of the wheat and tares and this parable of the net, Jesus makes a distinguish, a distinction between the laborers and the harvesters. In both instances, it is the angels, not the fishermen, which segregate the catch. Like the wheat and the tares that grow together, the net gathers fish indiscriminately. But not all who attach themselves to the church are among the righteous. Not all who come into the sphere of our influence of the net will produce fruit. There is a day of separation coming. And that's a scary thing to contemplate 
Because the day of judgment will be final. There will be no appeals. There will be no loopholes. There will be no way out. Once that day comes, it is too late to suddenly become fruitful. The devil has had some success at convincing people that there is no hell. He's even had some success at causing some to believe that there is no heaven. But his most persuasive tactic is to not convince folks that there's no heaven or hell. His most effective ploy is to convince folks that there is no hurry. That there is no hurry. That there is no rush. There is no urgency. There's, there's no urgency that his greatest tactic is to tell you that you have all the time in the world. The siren voice of hell whispers into the ears of men and women. Go ahead. Live like you want to live. And there are all, you got plenty of time to get things right with God. You just, you, you, you've heard for a long time that Jesus is coming back and the day's coming of the revelation and you've heard it. And so why believe it now? It's been the enemy's greatest tactic to take away our sense of urgency of the hour. But there is coming a day when it will finally and completely be too late. There will be no re, there will be no remain, no chance of salvation, no hope for hopeless, no opportunity to suddenly get it right. You won't have that, that heaviness on your chest called conviction. It'll be on that final day, the end of The age, the day of judgment, our eternity, yours and mine, it'll be settled forevermore. So as I come to a close tonight, I ask this question. What is the point of this parable? It is different than others. The others were designed to cause a man to examine himself, while this parable too demands what we measure ourselves against the standard of fruitfulness. The parable, the purpose of this parable is much broader. This parable is designed to compel us to reach the lost, to fulfill the mission, to complete the call before it's too late. See, the church is a sacred institution, but it's not an exclusive entity. It's our job to reach the world As I've said many times tonight, without discrimination. See, God made man and woman in his image. And like it or not, the most vile sinner in all the world was made in the image of God. And that person possesses that singular redeemable virtue that God wants to save. Just like you and me, the failures don't have to be final because they were made for eternity. We cannot afford to filter sinners. I know there's many apps out there right now that have filters on them. I've had Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And I was just introduced to uh, Snapchat. A lot of my friends are on Snapchat. And when you're on Snapchat, the very first screen that pops up is just you and your normal self, just no, no filters. But then you can scroll to the left or to the right and it can give you butterflies or it can give you a, a big head and little eyes. There's a variety of filters that can make your image 
funny or personable to others in that way. But can I tell you when it comes to eternity, we cannot swipe left or right to change the image. We cannot have the ability to filter sinners. We can't turn away folks from the altar because the church is a whosoever will church. The moment we limit our message is the moment we betray our mission. The moment we limit our message is the moment we betray our mission. The emergency room doesn't turn away anyone from someone who has a headache to someone who is possibly in a horrific accident. They take everyone. That's what this is. The church is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for the sick. It is a spiritual triage station. And not everything that may come to the church is going to be attractive or smell good. And sometimes it's going to be bloody and messy and ugly and even downright repulsive at times. But if we're going to have the kind of revival that God wants us to have, we must learn to love the unlovable. We must learn to reach for those that nobody is reaching for. Our job is not to dissect wounded and broken people. Our job is simply to introduce them to healing and help. To bring them to an altar where they can find forgiveness for their sins and salvation for their soul. There once was a story about a church that put up a sign on the front of the church. Gold letters were affixed to the exterior of the building that said, Jesus only. The church said Jesus only in big gold letters. However, one day a a great storm came through and blew the first three letters off the sign. And they were blown away. And what remained on this church building was a message to the world that said, instead of Jesus only, it simply said us only. This gospel is not limited to us that are here and here preaching and great singing and anointed teaching week after week, but it is for whosoever will. So how tonight, New Life Fellowship, do we respond to a parable like this? I believe first we have to humbly fall on our face before God and we have to begin to cry out, Lord, help me to reach the lost. Help me to make a difference. Help me, Lord, to cast a net into the sea of humanity. Let me, oh God, become a part of the net that is gathering all kinds of people and bringing them to the altar. Let me make a difference before it is too late. There was... Once an old man who used to go down to the beach to do his writing. He had a habit of walking along the beach every morning before he began to sit down and put his pen to parchment. It was early one morning he was walking along the shore after a big storm had passed. And he found this vast beach to which he would walk on a daily basis littered with starfish. As far as the eye could see, stretching in both directions. Off in the distance, the man noticed a small boy approaching. And as the boy walked, he paused every so often. And as he grew closer, the man could see that he was occasionally bending down. And he would pick up an object and throw it into the sea. The boy finally got closer. And the man called out, Good morning, son. 
May I ask what you are doing? The young boy paused and he looked up and replied to the elderly gentleman. He said, I'm throwing starfish into the ocean. The tide washed them up onto the beach and they can't return to the sea by themselves. When the sun gets high, it's, they're going to die because they don't have water unless I throw them back into the water. And the old man replied, but son, there's tens of thousands of starfish on this beach. I'm afraid you won't, you won't be really be able to make that much of a difference. The boy simply looked at the elderly man and he bent down and he picked up yet another starfish and he threw it into the sea as far and as hard as he could. He turned to the elder gentleman and he said, I may not be able to save them all, but I just saved that one. He reached down and picked up another one. He threw it into the ocean. And he said, I made a difference in that one. Here's what I'm trying to preach to us tonight. Teach to us tonight. We may not be able to save everybody, but we can reach them one at a time. Reach them one at a time. That is the calling of our day. We got to not only cast the net, but we got to be the net. We got to say, whosoever will let him come and experience the love of God and the mercy of God's grace I ask now that you would bow your head with me and let's pray and I think we really need to repent for a moment and say ask God to forgive us if we've not really reached like we should have been reaching and then we need to begin to begin to pray and ask God to lead us Lord, lead us and open doors and we're going to reach for whosoever will. So right there where you are in your home, would you just either bow your head or lift your hands and would you pray with me in closing tonight? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for this parable that Jesus sat his disciples down to give them great insight into the mission of the church and to, to the disciples to to fulfill their calling in the world that he didn't just say come follow me for the sole purpose of having a group to follow him but he called them out of their familiar territory God to go and to reach a world to take the whole gospel to the whole world Father I pray for forgiveness now if I have not reached like I should have been reaching I pray for forgiveness if I have oh God looked past others based upon appearance or based upon factors that the world seems and deems plausible in my life, Lord. I pray, God, that you would forgive me. Now, Lord, I thank you for the harvest that is coming. As those that are hearing this word tonight, as the word is settling into their spirit, I pray now, God, as they go forth and we cast our nets together, we're going to draw in a mighty revival. We're going to draw in a revival, Lord, that this building cannot contain. We're going to reach for the whosoever wills. And we're going to give you glory and honor, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to say thank you for tuning in tonight here at New Life Fellowship with us on this Wednesday evening Bible study. Excited about what God is going to do. Look forward to seeing you Sunday. God bless.